This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We, Cleveland Brown-wise, are finished with the 2020 NFL Draft. A couple of picks here to finish out the string here. But the Cleveland Browns are now done for all intents and purposes. Uh, we'll move on to undrafted free agents. We'll have a bunch of stuff coming here over the next few days. Uh, it's going to be fun to examine the AFC North drafts as well. Uh, from SI.com, joining your host here, Jeff Lloyd, from SI.com, Pete Smith. Uh, Pete, we got together this morning, talked a little bit about the way day three was going to go here. A little bit different, I think, than you expected, than I expected. Um Got the ball, got the ball rolling here. Harrison Bryant, tight end out of Florida Atlantic. Here, um, we know the significance of the position. Uh, you know, for Kevin Stefanski and the offense, he does want to run here. They put together at least a bunch of names here, a bunch of competitors, and we'll see the way it all weeds out. If, when, whenever we find some way to get back to some OTAs, uh, training camp, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Say that again. The, the selection of Harrison Bryant, the crowded tight end room, obviously the importance of it to, you know, the roster in Kevin Stefanski's system. Uh, well, I mean, they, you know, since he took the job, he talked about how he likes tight ends, and now they get depth. Uh, Harrison Bryant um, is fascinating because he's eerily similar to Seth Duvall um, <laughs> in terms of a guy that uh, just – Produced at a high level at, at, at the respective school for uh, for Devolve, it was Dartmouth. Obviously, he tested out of his mind, but beyond that, it was you know being able to line up in line in the slot, you know, in motion, H back type stuff. And, and Devolve, it was even lining up outside, which is how weirdly he was called a receiver uh, when they picked him. But it's getting a guy that's intelligent enough to just plug and play in a ton of different spots and do a bunch of different things. Um, his, he's got good length to be an inline tight end. I think he's got to get a little bit stronger, hopefully, to, to really move inside and do that on a regular basis. Um, he's interesting in that he was a high school offensive lineman turned collegiate tight end, and his production at uh, Florida Atlantic was crazy. He had, over a thousand, he had 1,004 yards on 65 catches, well over a quarter of their offense, which you know, tight ends are typically about 15% for the like elite level production, and he's way, way, way past that. Uh, there's going to be questions, or, or there have been questions about how tough he is and his ability to sort of fight through and do those things. That's interesting, but maybe you know, as simple as you know, David Dejoku, you know, they've got to decide what they're going to do with his option. Uh, but if they don't pick it up, he's on the last year of his deal. Even if they ultimately want to re-sign him to another deal, uh, they get more competition there, uh, which always good, and they get more depth at that position, which is important. Uh, coming into the draft, uh, you know, we talked about how the Browns would probably like to get a tight end, and you know, it's just not a very good class. So it was all it was just basically if there's a guy that they like sitting at a pick, they might grab him, and and that's clearly would happen. So it's interesting from that spot. I'm a little surprised it happened. Just just seemingly where this draft was going, I'm surprised how much offense was picked overall. Uh, but uh, interesting pick, solid profile, starter type. Um, you know, 
you get another again tight ends tend to take a while to develop so you know the idea that you're going to take this guy who just turned 22 on thursday uh he's going to come in and be great you know it just tends not to be the case with tight ends it takes a while so um it is depth but i wouldn't you know immediately assume well he's going to you know come in and, and take reps and all this stuff and they still have uh what's his face from last year from Princeton, who's also interesting, uh, that Steven Carlson. Yeah. And they still like him. So, you know, it would be really, really nice if the Browns could have four tight ends. They're pretty excited about that. They, they want to keep on their active roster. Um, I'm going to correct you just on one. Um, set the valve went to Princeton, um, not Dartmouth. So, you know, any chance Pete gets it to take a, uh, backhand at the state of New Jersey, obviously, he always uh, loves to jump all over that opportunity. Um, but we talked a ton over what were the biggest, you know, you know, positional group needs. Um, tight end was one we mentioned. Now, look, and you look at this and you go down the board at other positions, safety, uh, defensive line, uh, it, it, linebacker. It was stuff where they, they agreed with us. They not only addressed it in free agency, they also addressed a lot of those business groups here within the draft. And it, it wasn't difficult to weigh, you know, to see what the needs here were. But I think the way they handled it, played it, let the board come to them was, you know, impressive from a, a first time going through the draft experience, obviously on your own for Andrew Berry, um, you know, Kevin Stefanski having his, you know, word of mouth, so to speak, as a head coach here. Um, Brian, I think definitely projects to more of me and does Farrell Brown me the blocker that you have to Austin Hooper here, but what they did, you love the fact that they just said, no, it's just not enough. Let's just throw everything we can at some of these to make sure at least we feel confident that we got it right. Well, I mean, where the Browns were at it, and it sort of went, you know, largely how we thought it would, where they'd probably move back and sort of let the board play, play, play to them I mean you know it wasn't out of the question that they might move up and go get somebody but uh, they seemed pretty happy with how it went and they had a plan and they executed it and it seemed you know logical and you know they didn't take any just weird picks until maybe the sixth round which is where if you're going to do that that's the time to do it uh, <laughs> but there's no Chad Thomas pick in this draft there's no Mac Wilson type pick in this draft. And that was even, even that was like the fifth round. So it's not in the world, but it's not like a roller coaster like it was with Dorsey, where it was like, and, and Sashi Brown on day three, uh, where it was like, you know, you, you get these players that make a ton of sense and you're excited about them. And then they take these like guys that, you know, based on data and watching tape and stuff, just look like absolute duds. And then they try to make up for it seemingly by taking guys who seem like fields. Uh, when in this case, you know, and, and this was true for seemingly the entire division, really, uh, where it just seemed like every team was relatively consistent throughout. And as a result, they're all, they all look like they did pretty well for themselves. Without question here. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to when we get to this tomorrow, you know, the AFC North show here and then start breaking it down about the rest of the league here um, for the, craziest of circumstances for this NFL draft to go down. Um, seems like for the most part, you know, pretty much went off without a hitch, um, moves at a quicker pace than normal here. 
Um, some of the television wasn't as forced normally, you know, in years past where big, big money, you know, and TV money, commercial money is invested here. So, you know, it was a fun ride here. We can get a little bit more here. Uh, two more picks. I'm going to cover from day three, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith on Locked on Browns. If you were not following on Spotify, make sure you take care of that now. Ratings, reviews. If you were not subscribed on iTunes, take care of that right now. Ratings and reviews, please. It helps the growth of the show here. Doesn't cost you guys a dime. And again, please appreciate it. Thank you. All that great stuff. Go ahead wherever you are listening to Lockdown Browns. Make sure you drop those ratings. Was interesting, and uh, I did the solo show today talking about some possible predictions here, and I kind of did all the positional groups. Um, I said maybe you're looking for something developmental, maybe on the interior of the offensive line here. Harris can serve possibly one of three interior spots here as a reserve. First things first, he looks like everybody that ever checked ID at a bar. But second of all, even though he's a little bit slight in stature, he's tough, he's feisty. Um, and the, the type of build he has, he's able to move. He's not a you know crazy impressive athlete, but he kind of fits what they think they want from an offensive lineman. Well, they say he can play guard. I'm dubious. He's short. Um, he's six foot and seven eighths. Um, he's real short. <laughs> yeah, he's, I mean that's that's. I mean he's tall. You know, barely taller than I am. But for an offensive lineman, that's that's short. Uh, I, I think he's a center only, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. He, he he's he did play guard for a season at Washington before moving to center, but, you know, he seems like uh, that's what he is. Um, played, started two seasons there. He's a pretty good athlete, pretty good movement skills. And he's interesting because he's 21. And that's, you know, offensive line-wise, obviously the Browns got Jedrick Wills, who's 20, but they're, you know, usually younger offensive linemen tend to go earlier for this exact reason. So it's interesting. I don't know if I buy the comparison to Kelsey. That seems very lofty, but – you know, let's, let's let's go for it. But he, uh, you know, the Browns want to ensure their center position, and you know, teams want to go into the games with three guys you can snap. Uh, it's unclear if they'll keep three true centers. I mean, they signed Evan Brown in the off season, so it seems like uh, he is going to compete for that job, and and maybe they keep both, or maybe one gets cut. Uh, but I don't expect that you're going to see this dude line up at guard, but uh, you know, if they like him and they think he's a smart guy, I, I can't imagine a much better situation than learning behind JC Treader and being coached by Bill Callahan. Uh, now the guy who introduced this suggested that he would compete with JC Treader. Um, I, I mean, sure. I don't think he's going to win, but he <laughs> solidifying the interior, solidifying your depth, potentially getting a cost-controlled asset on a super cheap contract for a couple of years. If you know you like what you get out of him, you can. You know, JC Treader's not going to be here forever. He's got three years on his deal. Um, if they can, you know, develop these guys from within, they don't have to then pay a bunch of money to free agents. They can maybe some lower contracts to keep guys they've developed in-house, uh, keep the salary cap under control that way. Um, and in the case of a guy like Harris, if they ultimately were to cut him in, in training camp or whatever, 
you know, he's probably a guy who can get to the practice squad. He, he doesn't look like somebody. I mean, he, very specific scheme fit. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a ton of teams that are trying to compete for his services. So there's that angle. And maybe Evan Brown ends up back on the uh, practice squad with the Browns, but he's an intriguing athlete. So it makes for a nice competition. But, uh, you know, keep investing in the offensive line. You know, center was the position that stood out, not guard. And, you know, now they have another option there. Um, well, speaking on, you're going to compete with J.C. Cheddar. Um, maybe a little, you know, bit your tongue there, so to speak, when you're talking about the president of the NFL Players Association. So I'm probably sure he wishes he had that one back. Uh, I do agree with you. The way it pans out here, and look, they've got a lot of people in the room. There's still Hubbard, Lamb, obviously, you know, the guys who can contend for guard, uh, Jack Driscoll, and obviously the drafting of Jedrick Willis. It's become a crowded room, which is good. If it, you know, position of importance, you want that competition. Obviously, we hope to get to see a true competition where it's, you know, five, six weeks of, you know, mono a mono, best man wins. Um, as far as maybe the practice squad, uh, I'm kind of with you there because what do you, what do you usually nab off of other people's practice squads? You go ahead and nab, you know, the elite athleticism, or this guy's a six foot five, 323 pound offensive tackle with a wingspan of 84 inches. That's what you usually chase. If it doesn't work out right out the gate, maybe there is that possibility. Um, the resume is there. Uh, you know, he played almost every game he was on campus for, and it's impressive. He's, you know, it's tough. You know, if, I probably should like him more, and this would aggravate me because he's pretty much the epitome of every Jersey guy, a little bit undersized. He will be the guy that tells you that he's not undersized in a fight like hell going through it here. Uh, so, you know, Nick Harrison, Nick Harris, rather, as far as, you know, somewhere on the interior here with pick 160 overall. Pete, now this is where we're going to get to have a little fun here. Um, look, pick 187. Um, Jeff Rizden mentioned it earliest today. You know, I had received some, you know, texts on it. The Browns really like Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, the athleticism, what was there. Um, and, Pete, you know, and we talked about this last year when you went to the Senior Bowl, I love those five-star you know, five star recruits that are now maybe day three guys here. He tested well. You know, whatever was the case in Michigan, obviously there's no way you can't say some of us on him. There's no way you can't say some of us on the quarterback, the state of the program, that whatever. But you don't normally get to gamble on athletes like this who come from a, you know, power five conference, Donovan Peoples Jones pick 187 to the Cleveland Browns. So you don't, Buckle often up, kids. Get to, you don't often get to take five-star high school recruits from big time programs who should have gone on day three. Weird. Cause that's Chad Thomas. Anyway, um, <laughs> look, this is, it, look, Donovan Peoples Jones profile. Technically, wise, Chad Thomas was day two. Go ahead, sir. Well, he, I, I said should have gone on day three. Uh, <laughs> but uh, look, Donovan Peoples Jones is, in a lot of ways, you know, what you can use the sixth round for. Instead of betting on some guy to sort of like not rob a liquor store for the fourth time or, you know, whatever you're betting on a guy to sort of figure it out and he's a good athlete. And you know, obviously he was a big deal. I, did he come out of New Jersey? Is he another one of those? He's actually um, not a Jersey kid, but he was a guy who was supposed to go in and change Michigan as a program. He's that, that's how big of a deal it was when he was 
recruited there. That was supposed to be a big, big, big deal. And it just didn't happen. And, you know, in, in many ways, he's the same player he was coming out of high school. Um, tested well in terms of explosion, did nothing agility-wise. He's, he's a well-built athlete. You know, he's a big body kid, even though he's not super tall. He's six one and five eighths, 213 pounds. Like he's a strong kid. He's just not a very good receiver. Now, if you are the Browns and you look at him and you go, well, we got Chad O'Shea. We think he's a really good teacher and, and a guy who's going to, you know, force a, a prospect to, you know, sort of shape up or ship out real quick then this makes sense. The the thing you have to go into this with is that don't be surprised if Donovan Peoples-Jones doesn't make the team. It's too competitive, and there's too much at stake to just sort of hand him a position. They've got other guys to sort of come back and fight for that. So it's a sixth-round pick. There's very little to sort of hold him onto the roster. They've got other guys that, uh, you know, that, that are going to compete for that for that spot, like the Daryl Hodge, like um, your boy from whatever. Damian Ratley. And uh, my guy from last year got hurt from Austin P. Uh, that that are DJ all going to be competing for that job behind uh, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, and you're hoping to sort of make a spot, and there aren't necessarily that many spots. So, you know, the the whole situation with you know COVID nineteen and what that sort of prevents you from doing what that you know, changes that could make it harder for a guy like Donovan Peoples Jones, but you take it for what it is. It's a, it's a shot, you know, it's not a lottery ticket per se, but it's, you know, you're hoping you can catch a little bit of lightning in a bottle, but this is why you take this in round six. You don't take this in round four, like Antonio Callaway. You don't take this in round three with Chad Thomas. You take this in round six and it's not, likely because he's going to get arrested because he, you know, is trying to sell several hundred pounds of weed at the border or anything like that. You just, it's a kid who, who makes you feel good about the person and you're just hoping they can figure it out. And in that case, you can sort of um, feel fine about it. But if you're just looking at this from a math perspective, the odds are not good for him and that's okay. It's the sixth round, but of the guys they picked, he's far and away the least likely to make the team, which is, you know, how it's supposed to go in the sixth, you know, this late in the draft. But um, I, you know, I, I think they could have done more with the pick, but I understand the thought process. Uh, this is one we're probably going to go, go back and forth on for a while. And similar to Pete, what I said years ago, and this wasn't the offensive tackle that, um, Got caught with the weed. This is the one that got caught knocking his girlfriend around. Help me out here, Pete. You know, part of Texas, West Georgia. God, I can't remember him anymore. Oh, Desmond Harrison. Desmond Harrison. This could be one of those. You could be here for three weeks, three months, three years. He's got the potential to stick around. Yes, the all field isn't, you know, the, the thing here. The question is trying to relight the lamp and the confidence a guy who went to Michigan thinking, man, we're going to probably play in two national championships, you know, and that type of thing. And watching it all just essentially, you know, fizzle to gra- fizzle to the ground. I keep thinking of the meme, you know, this is fine. You know, there's Jim Harbaugh. This is fine as everything's burning down around him. Great athlete. No doubt about it. There is returnability here. 
Um, you're putting him in a position. If this was a kid, you're saying maybe you're putting in Jacksonville, where you're not sure about the quarterback position, or even care, you know sure about the entire general structure of the team here. For what we think of the confidence we have, this could go well. Obviously, rosters expanded now to 55. The fact that he's got some returnability here, um, return ability, obviously, you know, it, it, this is something. I'm okay with, and I actually kind of like here. Um, when I saw it this morning, it was, well, when is this going to work out? You know, I mean, because there were receivers and, you know, picking somebody at 160 and watching, you know, Tyler Johnson go at 161, obviously a blow for guys that we had more faith in. Um, but, you know, there's stupider, there's more dumb things in the world, Pete, than gambling on five-star athletes, or, you know, as opposed to say, you know, Johnny Wichita, who came from West Texas, Minor Cole, AM, and apparently ran a 419 at a pro day that was held behind his grandfather's you know, barn. Well, Nick Harris better be good. Please, just be great. Just do it. That was going to sting. Because you know, like an odd couple of Minshew and Tyler Johnson could probably make it work, like two oddballs. Well, t- t- Tyler Johnson went to Tampa, didn't he? Oh, that, oh I'm sorry. <laughs> it's even worse. Never mind. So he's yeah he's he's in the mix with Tom Brady and all those. But like the best thing you can hope for is like there's just not enough room on the roster because they have so many weapons. But yeah, I mean, like uh, Tyler Johnson had practically triple the production of Donovan Peoples Jones relative to his team. Like it's absurd. How Playing much, the same schedule. <laughs> yeah, like in the Big Ten, just absolutely killing teams like Ohio State and some of those others. Like. Donovan Peoples-Jones has never had a 100-yard receiving game in his college career. I think Tyler Johnson has had, like, a number of 200-yard games in his college career. It's just – look, again, they may both end up being nothing, but it's just sort of interesting to think about. And, again, this is – as opposed to years past where I'm looking and going – and this was Sashi Brown, too, uh, with, you know, taking uh, a god-awful tackle out uh, out of Florida State or some, or or uh, defensive tackle Caleb Brantley, who I'm watching quit consistently on the field. It's not a situation where it's like, you know, this. I'm first guessing telling you this guy's going to be god awful. Uh, it's more along the lines of nibbling around corners. There are areas where, like, maybe I would have done this here, or uh, you know, I, I really like this player, but it's not like. Wow, they took this guy. He he just straight can't play, and it's not going to work. And we're going to be sitting here for three years listening to Hiram tell us how good he is, even though he's the worst player on the team. Um, no, they picked. <laughs> they went. They took a Pro Bowl caliber yard, who's hopefully going to be you know Pro Bowl caliber tackle. They took a Pro Bowl caliber free safety. They took a solid starting caliber uh, defensive tackle, linebacker, tight end, and center before they got to sort of a, a gambling uh, wide receiver pick in the sixth round, all of, all the while they gained a third round pick in 2021, which again, I, I can't understate how valuable that is. And, and there's all this, you know, guesswork as to what is going to happen in terms of like the con- concept of the supplemental draft. And if, if a bunch of teams are going to fly out there, I can't say that it's enough. Like, I know the the situation is what it is, and, like, nobody can really play sports, but, like, a pro football league like the XFL 
is way more likely to be able to actually make a season happen than college football. Like this is the dream scenario for you to potentially get a bunch of players like Kenny Robinson, who was drafted uh, from the Battle Hawks after going to West Virginia. If you get a bunch of players who are like, look, man, college, they just can't open. They have to be able to have a functional college campus before they can have college sports. And it's just not reasonable. Meanwhile, this league can actually get up and go, go and get reps and all these things. Like this is the ideal scenario and it's probably not going to happen. And, you know, whether it's a supplemental draft or, you know, I'm very curious to know what the team's sort of thought process on this. If they're like, yeah, go ahead and come out. We'd rather get you now. Or if they're like, uh, you know, we'd probably rather you wait out and see where this thing goes uh, and just keep working out just because, you know, we have so many players on our rosters already that if you, you know, if a ton of players come out in the supplemental draft, we're just going to have nowhere to put them. And it's just going to put a lot of guys out of work and regretting they did it. The issue there, though, is the bottom line of the NFL is always about what? Winning. Greed is good. All that stuff here. Um, and the problem is going to be, you know, how it works through you know, legal legislation. I mean, these kids have the right to apply unless the NFL finds some way where they you know, shut down the process. Um, and again, I'll go back to Travis Etienne. Here was a guy that the only reason he came back is because, you know, he loved falls. You know, down in Clemson, South Carolina. If that's not a possibility, Travis Heaty, you might just want to go make some goddamn money. And God bless him. And this is America, so he's probably entitled to it. Uh, a little bit more coming here, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith. Um, on behalf of Pete, on behalf of me, um, we love this time of year. We love from the NFL draft. You know, whether it's the Senior Bowl, whether it's the Combine, everything, everything leading up into it. Um, but this year, obviously, guys, it, it was a bunch, bunch different. And, I, you know, and Pete and I really haven't talked about it, but I think we're both in agreement here. And maybe this started with the day, you know, of Kobe Bryant's death. Sometimes life, the world just becomes bigger here. So this was probably one of the harder years to cover all this and go through it just with all that's going on here. But, um, you know, the support from you guys and everybody reading along, following along, listening along, you know, it made it, you know, to feel like the point where, you know, what we were doing, you guys enjoyed. And, you know, so it, it made it a little easier to do it every day. I mean, there were times where it was, you know, harder than others. Um, you know, I've been through, an, you know, a bunch here at the house with everything that's going on. Um, my mother-in-law broke her knee three weeks ago, had to have surgery. We had to take her from the hospital in our house. It just, it, I mean, it's been one of the weirder draft processes. Um, and for the fact that it was, you know, a fun weekend here and, you know, we'll get to the Browns overhaul, overall takes of it. But, you know, for Browns Digest, make sure you're following on Twitter, SI.com, making sure you're reading everything for beating his team over there. Um, Locked on Browns, obviously, you know, both accounts, me, the show itself. Um, it, it, it's been it, it's been a fun way to get through it here. And like I said, it's just been a really, really different draft process than any of us were accustomed to. So thanks, everybody, you know, for following along and appreciate all the kind words along the way here. Pete, we've had a new regime installed here in late January. We've had, you know, free agency. We've had, you know, some framework done and everything else here. We have now concluded the 2020 NFL draft. Andrew Berry, 32 years old, now 33 years old. Assess where we're at here, Pete. It's been, in my opinion, a nice 90 days where it was, this is what we want to do. This is how we want to achieve it. And I don't have much of an issue saying that they stuck to the plan to this point. Well, you know, this is why I – you know, this this is why I wanted to hire him is because he's really, really smart. He's or, organized. He understands how to sort of 
all these people are like, well, he only knows how to read spreadsheets and all this other crap. You know, he actually really knows what he's doing. And, you know, they needed to sort of let it work itself out and get everybody on the same page. There's no Hugh Jackson element. There's a Kevin Stefanski element. And they are seem to be so far in lockstep with everything they're doing. And, you know, the, the results are instead of sort of a roller coaster ride, uh, and, and to be fair, I think initially when the Browns were like, well, you know, we're going to let uh, Joe Schobert walk, there was a little hesitation of, well, are they going to potentially be worse before they get better? That quickly dissipated because they got to free agency. They suddenly had a plan in place, and, and it became very easy to sort of project where this thing's going not only what did they want to accomplish but what they want on defense so it made it easier to sort of figure things out to sort of what to expect and how to sort of uh, explain how this thing's going and then you know the draft completed we got a whole bunch of trends and information that may or may not be uh, hold true in the future for example I think their thing on age, I think that's going to be the deal. I mean, that was the deal when it was Sashi and Andrew Berry was helping him out. They consistently focused on getting younger players. The thing I found interesting is um, they made seven picks. Every one of them was invited to the scouting combine. And and that may be entirely a factor of uh, COVID-19 and, and the amount of homework they felt comfortable with doing. Incomplete reports like we talked about. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how true that is or if it's just how the board fell and all those things, but it, it's something to sort of keep an eye on. Um, they seem to be more in line with uh, some of the thought processes that PFF has in terms of what they're sort of looking at and, and where they value guys. And then it's all about trying to get um, players that are talented as opposed to getting players that, you know, fit need. They focused on talent. They focused on drafting guys that impact three downs. They focused on uh, adding uh, talent as opposed to just focusing on need. And linebacker just doesn't seem like a big deal to them. Um, I, I don't think that's going to change. The, the more we go through this, the less I think Isaiah Simmons was a real thing. Even <laughs> no doubt. It. Um, but safeties, defensive linemen, offensive linemen, you know, receivers or those type of things. And tight ends, obviously, guys that play three downs, they, those things matter. Um, well, first on the Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons things, um, there's no way you take the linebacker at 97 and you were ever, you know, tipping your toes in the water to an Isaiah Simmons. There was no way whatsoever. Um, so, guys, that was a fun memory while it lasted. Um, we're going to get to here in the next couple of days, you know, breaking this down from several angles, whether it's the AFC North here, you know, teams that are going to be on the Brown schedule this year. Um, and, and we can continue to hopefully ride this wave for a little while before maybe we find about getting back to some normalcy. I think what has impressed me to this point and, and probably for the first true time since I've covered this team since, you know, late September of Miles Garrett's rookie year is, there was a vision and this team put forth what they wanted to do and there were positions to be addressed and they did it and they did it thoroughly, whether it was free agency, whether it was the drafts, never did the, 
you know, I essentially get off the prize. Oh, Trent Williams available. Trent Williams available. Oh, AJ Howard may be available. They never decided to just get, you know, nuts and just go chase a mystery box, which is what hopefully you're getting from an analytic front of a whole bunch of intelligent people that can sit down together, respect each other's thought processes enough where you can say, yes, I agree. This is our vision. This is our model. This is what we want to build. And I think they were good on this. Um, I repeat the age, and this is, you know, something that we've, you know, battered about, you, you, you know, for a couple of years now about wh- where is the appropriate age? What's not the appropriate age for them? It's about legal or maybe a year or so over legal. Um, and why is that something you're going to look at? Because once you're getting closer to where guys who are going to play as rookies as 24 years old, the progression, progression of the player and, you know, the improvement of talent becomes more minimal. And it's great that you were 23 years old and you were wreaking havoc, you know, nine months ago in college football. But guess what? If you're playing college football, 23 years old, you better be cracking skulls. You better be kicking ass. That's, that's part of the game here. So, and look, it is, like we said, it's one sample size here. Um, But you're starting to see, you know, maybe perhaps a model and it's not all 100% you know, analytics because if it was, they would have liked Tristan worse over Jedrick Wills. So I think they're using a nice blend of everything they had, which was what they preached is give us all the information at hand, which is what this whole approach is about. And we're going to make our best decisions off of it. And you know, whether Wills defies a little bit because he's never played left tackle, he wasn't the most athletic guy. You believe in what they're preaching to this point, and for 90 days, a free agency cycle, and obviously a draft cycle, it's come to fruition with a nice group of players here. And I think I feel a boatload more confident about this team, about this roster, the way it's currently constructed right now, than I did as we were a couple of days after Christmas going, man, just get this stinking season over with. Well, yeah, I think, uh, you know, assuming everything stays in place, I'm going to crush the draft next year because I'll have a better idea of where, where they're going for, and I still got a bunch of things right, which makes me happy, and I'm happy to grow. <laughs> I'm also happy that the Browns literally <laughs> took players right in front of Ohio State, so the Buckeye Honks have to eat it twice. Uh, they could have taken Malik Harrison, and they didn't. They could have taken K.J. Hill, and they didn't, and there is there is there is a, a real struggle going on in the minds. Pete, there's people coming after me. I've literally gotten DMs. From like three people, you know, most of them no Abby whatsoever, that the Browns took Jacob Phillips because of me. That's why they ignored Malik Harrison. Like, guys, it ain't that big. And you know, like Wait, I told Stephen Thomas earlier today. Yes, because wow. I suggested that Jacob Phillips should be somebody that should be on the Browns' radar. Ohio State is not the AAA affiliate of the Cleveland Browns. Um, look, I would have no, been fine but, either way, whether it was Malik, apparently Alabama. Clemson and uh, Ohio State are the combined AAA farm system of the Oakland Raiders. My God. <laughs> right. Mike, Mike Mayock doesn't even pretend. I mean, he said it last year. He said of Clemson, like in Alabama, the, they know how to identify talent. It was like, all right. And he made like a, I think he got a Meek Robertson, which is a great pick. But like their yes. early picks are just all Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State. Like, they drafted, Pete, they drafted three wide receivers. Two of them are fast as shit, and they don't have a quarterback that throws the ball 25 yards down the field. Well, the, the story coming out about Henry Ruggs is not <laughs> positive to what is going on in that organization, where, like, 
I don't remember, I, I, I apologize. I don't remember who reported it, but it sounded like basically they weren't sure on what they were going to do. And they basically came to the conclusion, if they're going to be wrong, they're going to bet on speed and went Henry Ruggs. But yeah, I, I mean, I like Derek Carr. I mean, I, I think he could be fine. I just, I don't think they believe in him. Um, so that's, that's where that goes. But no, I mean, if they, uh, I think Derek Carr is a really good quarterback. Uh, you know, on that, if you're in that 15 to 20 range, who can sort of go up to top 10? I mean, last year he was really efficient. So, can it work? Sure. I, but in terms of how the Raiders are building a team, I don't see it. They're, them, the Packers, you know, there there aren't many teams that I feel like did a really poor job. I think for the most part, um, considering how weird this year was i think most people did pretty well now that may be in part due to like you know the the creativity was sort of limited by their inability to travel and do some of these other things but it seems like most teams did a pretty solid job in this draft so that's interesting um obviously when it comes to the afc north that's going to be a headache uh but yeah it was kind of interesting from that standpoint but yeah the the raiders uh, it's only a matter of time before Mayock gets basically blamed um, when that thing doesn't go well and and gets fired for it. That's my prediction for that. Um, For me, the Raiders, it almost seemed like they just, you know, said, you know, want to know what? God knows what the hell's going on. What would Al do? Al would draft a whole bunch of guys that can just, you know, run really, really fast, you know, at the wide receiver position, just, and we'll get into all of these. Um, You know, we'll put a bow on this here. Um, you know, Pete and the folks over at Browns Digest uh, through SI.com worked really, really, really hard. And you know, like I said earlier, it's just been the most different year for this. Um, but we still enjoy it. It's, you know, something, you know, at times where uh, you feel a little guilty about enjoying it in the entire process. But, you know, hey, we all got to do what we got to do to get through where we you know currently are. So follow Browns Digest on Twitter, SI.com, all the work from Pete and his team. Um, make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Um, the show itself at Locked On Browns, all lowercase. DMs are open. Um, always follow back account. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, DMs are open over there as well. Throw a follow. You know things you want on the show, questions you have. Too shy for Twitter. You guys always know those. You know lines are open of communication in that respect here. Um, it has been in a fun three days here to escape. You know from what's become our new norm. E- but for the last three days, you know, it's fun to be able to talk ball, enjoy it here. Um, certainly helps that the Browns put together, uh, you know, another solid three days here after a nice free agency period. Uh, this has been your daily delivery of all things. Dog Pound, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen, guys. Ratings and reviews. Ratings and reviews. Uh, to be in the iTunes top 200 now for over uh, almost 72 hours straight now. Always a fun time as well. Um, like I said, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB. On the LOB. Let's go, Browns.